So anything you want to ask Clay, Anthony? I don't know. You put me on the spot here. No, uh, I know. Because, no, like, like, yeah, look, let the audience get to know Clay because Clay is really awesome. If you, again, he is from Kirkus Reviews. Yes, thank podcast. you. You have a very NPR kind of vibe. Is this <laughs> a voice that comes, because I tend to talk really fast, so I have to kind of, uh -huh. like, bring myself back to kind of talk very slow. Mm. And is it enunciate or pronunciate? I always forget. Enunciate, enunciate my words because yeah. I mumble a lot. Well. Does that come naturally to you or is it something you had to like learn? Uh, I mean, I remember my grandfather when I was younger um, telling me to stop talking so fast. <laughs> so I guess I practiced it for a long time uh, to not talk quite so fast. But, you know, I've learned when hosting a podcast that uh, it really should just feel to the audience, like they're just overhearing an interesting conversation, and what you know, which is like what we have just done. And so, you know, when you're talking to a friend and you're not being recorded, you would not naturally talk really fast, right? You would just be in a sort of a low key conversation. No, I would talk really fast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, you're weird. <laughs> but. So that's, I just try to replicate that, you know, to make it like a low-key conversation. And so I tend to talk slower. See, to me, whenever I hear Clay talk, I don't know about the rest of you, it seems more like a boudoir kind of thing where it's like, you're trying to sell me a dodo? <laughs> or you're like narrating this like really sexy like <laughs> porn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not, not like that's a bad thing. <laughs> right. It's not a bad thing because I really enjoy the way you speak. Uh, I feel like I can learn some things. I don't know how about you, Anthony. I feel like Anthony oh, does a really great job speaking. I love listening to Anthony speak. I got to slow mm -hmm. down a lot. Mm -hmm. What? Uh, so you review um, books, right? Yeah, we review actually about 10,000 books a year. So what is the last, I'm not sure this is a very difficult question. You probably uh -huh. get asked this all the time. But what's the last book you read that you really just could not put down and really just took you somewhere else? No, I mean, that's a great question, and it's actually easy to answer in this yeah. case. And it's um, David Gran, um, who's a writer for The New Yorker, mm -hmm. wrote, um, he published in um, April a nonfiction book called Killers of the Flower Moon. And he had a major bestseller a few years ago with an, another nonfiction book called The Lost City of Z which became a movie oh, that yeah. Amazon Studios just um, released a few months ago. But Killers of the Flower Moon is about the massacre of some Osage Indians in um, northeast Oklahoma in the 1920s. Um, and the U.S. government, just to tell you about the book briefly, had um, sort of sent these Indians to a reservation in, in Oklahoma and basically abandoned them. And then uh, it was, you know, the Indians bought the land and it turned out that there were vast, vast amounts of oil under the land. And so in the 20s, they were the richest people in the entire world. And they were, you know, these Osage Indians had drivers. Um, they had a ton of um, staff in their households. And they all got a check each month. And that's when they started being murdered. Um, some of them were poisoned. Some of them were shot. And he follows this investigation. And I mean, at the time, like this was, you know, front page news in the New York Times and papers around the world. And it's a totally forgotten crime today for a number of reasons. And so he sort of tracks down the killers. And then at the end of the book, you know, you sort of, you go along and you think it's this one killer. And I won't give anything away, but at the end of the book, he reveals a whole, you know, through his investigation, he reveals a whole new 
set of facts that really it 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 is a very difficult book to put down. I I really love it. I'm gonna read that next. What's I yours, Anthony? Know. What? The book that just like got you staying up to like five o'clock in the morning. Well, right now I, I just finished Jurassic Park in like two days. Mm-hmm. I never read it before. It's so good. <laughs> I finished like in two days. What's up? What's, what's one of my favorite books? You could say Jurassic Park. You don't have to. No, like, yeah, yeah, I really well, like. You're thinking about that. Can I? I um, told Eric about this, but so this this past week I've been at Book Expo America, which is the publishing industry's like major, you know, show like convention for the entire year. Was this something you went on your own time, or was it for your job that you went to visit? It was for my job. Okay. And what happens? It's in New York, and uh, you walk through this convention center, and all the you know various publishers have these big booths, and they have their books on display, and these are books that'll be like out later this summer and the fall and even next year. And I just happened to come across this one publisher and they're going to publish a book in on August 8th called RuPaul's Drag Race, the paper doll book. And the book is going to be, let's see, 1895. And it has 10 punch out paper dolls. So it has Bibi Zahara Benet, Tyra Sanchez, Raja, Sharon Needles, Jinx Monsoon, Bianca Del Rio, Violet Chachki, and Bob the Drag Queen. <laughs> and you can take the drag queens and like dress them up and just punch them out of the paper book. So I think it's totally awesome. And I think everybody should look for it in August. Nice. Yeah, playing dress up with your favorite drag queen. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all the winners, right? I believe that's the yeah. 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 Sorry to interrupt you, but I no, no, to not at all. Make sure that everybody knows about that. Yeah, book. that's awesome. Yeah, so that's cool. Clay, you're new to the whole podcasting, so you were very. You said you were kind of nervous from. So we're now you just we're just going to like an interview about Clay now, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to get to know more about you. I think yeah. Yeah. we should publish this separately. Just I was like thinking about I was end. thinking about that, but he expert. mentioned the whole doll thing, so I might just put it together. Mm. Can, okay, it would still be under like the RuPaul thing. I think you could mm. do like a. Oh, okay, like a little yeah. Okay, yeah. I was thinking. Okay, we'll do. We'll <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Right. Um. So. How has, like, doing the podcast, like, as you progress, you're getting um, less nervous? Like, who's mm-hmm. been your kind of favorite person to interview? Um, definitely John Waters. Oh, um, my God. You interviewed John Waters? The, like, outrageous filmmaker and um, wit. Yeah, he's great. Give um, us something that he's done so if people don't know who John Waters is. <laughs> like, they can okay. kind of look up his work. So John Waters is famous for being sort of the most um, – like uh, the filmmaker with the worst taste in America, although he's an extremely smart filmmaker um, and a really funny, interesting guy. And actually, he's he's friends with RuPaul. Mm-hmm. But he, um, Pink Flamingos is one of his films. Um, Serial Mom that has Kathleen Turner. Oh, I love Hairspray. Serial Mom. Hairspray. Hairspray is his most famous yeah. thing. And the Cry musical baby. was taken from the Oh, he's movie. that guy that it's like very skinny, right? With the painted pretty, on eyebrows kind of thing, right? Is that um, him? He has, he's more known for his pencil mustache. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. So, at Kirkus Reviews, you know, we don't review movies, we don't review plays, we just review books. And uh, at the end, in I guess May of 2015, he gave the he was asked to give the graduation speech at the Rhode Island School of Design, you know, one of the best design schools in the nation, and it went viral because he was basically telling the audience um, how to be an artist for the rest of their lives. And so Algonquin, which is a a publisher in um, North Carolina and in New York, uh, published it. And because they turned it into a book, 
I was able to bring him onto the show. And he was great. Um, we even talked about Mike Pence, um, the vice president, and Mike Pence's wife. Um, <laughs> and John Waters thinks that Mike Pence is um, a man baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, an adult baby, I think is the actual term he used. So that was a real highlight of my podcast um, hosting career. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. One of my yeah. favorite things he ever said, it was in the RuPaul Drives like YouTube mm-hmm. series. Yeah. And he has John Waters on there. Mm-hmm. And he ends it with like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. It's a little insensitive, but he's like, so when Ike Turner died, the cover of the New York Times read, Ike beats Tina to death. And, <laughs> and that's just how he ends the interview. <laughs> and I like... I laughed for days. That is like an iconic I, fucking headline. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love John Waters. Yeah, yeah. That's so amazing. And just, I think it was the New York Post. The, the, post. The, yeah, the, the New York Times post. would never. Not the Times. You're right. <laughs> the Post. Yeah, you're right. The Post. Um, the Post always has those yeah. crazy ones. Well, yeah. before I interviewed him, I watched that yeah. that video on YouTube. It's a great it's a great little snippet yeah. they have together. They have so, good energy, two of them. Yeah. Has there been anyone that's kind of disappointed you and you kind of taken back from that you're interviewing? No, I mean, I've never had one of those moments where they, you know, where the writer wants to hang up or, you know, doesn't, isn't sort of forthcoming. I mean, part of that is because, you know, you have to do your homework and that, you know, some writers, and it's understandable if you're interviewing them, and it's probably the same with actors or, you know, musicians if it's clear that the journalist hasn't done their homework, you know, I think it's really frustrating for them. And so I, you know, I just read a lot and I just have to be really prepared for it. So tomorrow I'm going to interview Roxane Gay, who is really one of the most exciting um, writers writing today, period. Like she writes fiction and nonfiction and why do you think she's the one of the most exciting? Because she talks in a very sort of frank, um, she writes in a really honest, candid way. She is, I think, 6'3", and as she says in her new book, Hunger, she at one point was 577 pounds. And, you know, she writes about her struggles with eating and with um, hunger, and she was raped when she was 12. And so it, it re- I love the book because it really... You know, that experience hasn't happened to me, but I sort of felt like I was right there with her, you know, an African-American woman who was sort of gang raped at the age of 12. Like, not my story, but she just brought me into it and made me really feel like I was a part of it, um, which is both terrifying and really nice, you know. So I'm going to interview her tomorrow. I'm a little nervous about that one. Are you? (laughs) How much time do you get from, like, interview date to the, like, knowing that you're going to interview her? Well, when we're when we're interviewing bestsellers, I mean, today I interviewed John Grisham, who, you know, wrote A Time to Kill and The Firm and The Pelican Brief. Usually with the bestsellers, it's pretty touch and go because their schedules change a lot and I have to book the studio time here in Austin and hopefully, like, the bestselling writer is free for the time <laughs> when I have the, the studio in East Austin. So that can be difficult. But Kirkus is pretty good at discovering new talent. So each episode, we interview a best-selling writer for about 30 minutes, and then we interview a writer whose debut or just lesser known in the second slot. Uh, and it's easier to time things with those writers because they are they have more time, I guess. <laughs> writers like John Grisham have to turn in a thriller a year, and so they sometimes don't do a lot of publicity because they're just constantly writing. You know? What do you do to get yourself, like, get the nerves out? 
It's a like totally boring answer, but it's just something I said before, which is preparation. I'd like, like, you know, I don't have any tricks. You know, I know a lot of journalists and um, really actors and performers have these, um, and you know, even sports like athletes have these rituals they do. And I, I just don't really have anything, but <laughs> I just read the entire book and then I find out what I can about the writer and previous interviews and reviews and that kind of stuff. And that just makes me feel um, not nervous because if they're going to reference any part of the book or the novel, you know, I'll know what they're talking about. So it's sort of a little, it's a little bit like, you know, that saying about um, a trial lawyer, a trial lawyer doesn't ask the person, you know, the witness a question unless the lawyer knows what that person is going to say. Um, and it's not exactly the same in, in interviewing. I mean, I, I want them to say something new and fresh and really interesting, uh, but I have to be ready enough to follow them with whatever they say, you know, with whatever um, road they want to go down. You know, I have to have read enough to be able to follow them. Does your co-host kind of like make you more comfortable in these situations or do you not interview together all the time? We do. Um, she joins um, via Skype. She lives okay. in Portland, Oregon, and she's great. She's She's really my main um, interviewer. And so we have a great rapport, and the, the chemistry is so crucial like between you two. Were you all friends yeah. before? No. Um, I, I went to graduate school at NYU to a really interesting little program called Cultural Reporting and Criticism. And it's in gra the graduate journalism department, and you can do like broadcast journalism or newspaper or magazine or literary reporting or environmental reporting. And I chose Cultural Reporting and Criticism and when I was hired by Kirkus, I went to my professor and said, I'm looking for some people who want to interview writers. And Megan um, like totally has that hustle. And she you know, asked me if she could write for me. And she did a great job. And then I just kept giving her more and more stories to do. I like Megan. You, I don't think you've heard this uh, the podcast yet, but I recommend yeah. listening to it. Yeah, I'm going to. But she kind of reminds me a little bit like a, a little bit like like me, where she's like this like Spitfire kind of. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I'm like, I like her. Yeah, she's got the hustle for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you more comfortable? Like, uh, do you see yourself like progressing in this podcast? Like, do you want to do this for a long time? Do you see yeah. like? another career you might want to take now experiencing the podcast kind of world? You know, it's interesting because I also, I go on the radio um, on the Texas Standard, which for listeners who don't know, that's a um, public radio program here in Texas that starts from KUT, the public radio station in Austin, but it is sent to all the public radio um, stations in the state. And so once a month or so, I talk, they interview me about books and which books people should be reading. And sometimes we talk about Texas writers and sometimes not. But it's a very short, you know, like four or five minute segment. You know, and I go in and I do it and I really enjoy it. But a podcast, you know, what you want to do each hour is so malleable and you can change things up and it's not that difficult to change things up. And um, if you want to drop a segment of the podcast that's not working, you can do that. You know, it's... I just love it because there's so much free, more free form than, you know, broadcast radio. So I love it for that. And so we're thinking about that very thing at, at our, our podcast is called fully booked. Um, and it's from Kirkus reviews and like, you know, we're thinking about how we want to change it up. If we yeah. We just went from a RuPaul's drag race to an episode of Sir on the road. Like seriously, <laughs> like you yeah. can do anything you want with podcasts. Yeah. Um, so, 
Is there any like anyone knocking down your door? Because I think you're a very talented um, oh, thank you. like host. Is there anyone that you're like you, as you're getting offers for anywhere like to host shows or anything like that? Um, I do get asked to moderate, you know, a lot of book events, um, like public events, and and I enjoy that. Um, but if you want to be my publicist um, and get people to knock on my door, I I would be happy. <laughs> yeah, for you I mean, that's probably more like Anthony's like lane, not so much mine. Oh, right. I even you're know. in marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have a great voice. Yeah. Isn't it though? Yeah. So, like as soon as I heard it, I was like, okay, I need him to be on the show. Like <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a calm energy to our like chaotic energy. He's gonna like you're gonna like calm like it's gonna be yeah. a calm episode. It's gonna so be, like, like whenever he good. speaks, like my whole like heart rate slows down, my body like I just like kind of like like when you get a massage, I just like kind of slow down. <laughs> yeah. And then nice. I like my next segment goes in really slow. Then I start going really fast once I like forget uh, that like Clay spoke already. <laughs> I feel like you could do like a meditation podcast. <gasps> yeah. You know, I feel like you could be like, breathe in. They, you know, yeah. like, I feel so, like, like that would be good. Do you plan on kind of producing your own podcast on the side? <laughs> oh like anything you'd want to do? I wish I had time, man. But I'm so busy like with producing the magazine and the podcast. I'm like totally happy where I am right now, but maybe I don't know. So if you were going to make thinking, if you were going to make a podcast on your own show, what would it be about? Oh, it would totally be about Pee Wee Herman. Really? Explain. I'm the world's like biggest Pee Wee Herman fan. <laughs> Why? I just think that Pee Wee's Playhouse in particular is a really smart children's show and the way that he was sort of trashed by you know the police in Florida and just Americans at large was totally unfair. And this was in the early nineties when he was caught at a, um, like a, what do you call it? Um, adult theater, you know, masturbating and it just kind of ended his career. And for him to have, you know, it's taken a lot of years, but of course he released a Pee Wee Herman movie this spring through Netflix or was it last spring? I don't remember. It was but last spring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Last year. So it's really great to see him come back. And I just think that he um, did a lot of great things for kids in the 90s and in the 80s. So so how do you feel about the kind of kids shows that are on now? A little too dumbed down kind of for them? You know, I'll be like cooking on Saturday morning or just, you know, doing stuff around the house. And I'll see all these kids programs come on and they all say E slash I in the corner which stands for educational or informational, which is great in one way, but I kind of feel like it's it's really a shame that broadcasters of children of kids of kids shows feel like they have to stuff, you know, quote education and quote information down kids' throats. I mean, which is so great that Pee Wee Herman, you know, he his imagination ran so wild. And I think that that teaches kids more than, you know, send, giving them dry facts about this or that, you know. Did a, he have a lot of input in his own show? Oh, yeah. He oh. totally created them nice. himself. He really kind of built his own uh, mini empire, I guess. So if you were going, so you said you would do a Pee Wee Herman kind of podcast or show, right? How would you... What would the episodes entail? How would you lead us on this journey? You know, this is a really interesting question because I don't know if you all have been following, and I I don't remember the name of it, but there's this podcast about Richard Simmons. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> I um, knew you were going to know what this yeah. was. I knew you were going to know. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> yeah, which has been really controversial because it, it, 
You know, Richard Simmons, for people who don't know, has sort of seemed to have disappeared in the past year or two. You told me about this, right? Yeah, it's so good. A couple episodes ago. Yeah, and so this podcast sort of, in the way that like we're dissecting um, each episode of um, Drag Race, this guy who hosted is like dissecting Richard Simmons' life, you know? And it's a very different thing to do that to a TV show like we have just done than it is to do that to a person. And, you know, he has the journalistic right to do that, but he's getting a lot of flack now for sort of crossing the line into like a creepy exploitation question. So I would not do that is what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, I was like, are you going to do that? (laughs) So I would talk, one of the great things that... Yeah, well, the, I mean, and Paul Rubens, who, who is P.B. Herman, has done such a great job of collecting a lot of great comedic talent around him. Like um, Phil Hartman was on Pee-wee's Playhouse. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, just a lot of talented actors, and um, I would interview them. I would hope to get him on the show. It would be all things Pee-wee. Nice. So for someone who hasn't really experienced Pee Wee Herman, um, Uh I think it was a little bit past my time or maybe I would just, I was really poor. I might not have had cable at the moment. Right. Um, Does it hold up over time, the show, if I was to go back and watch it? It does because it's so unique. There's just nothing like it. And it, I mean, when it was on in the eighties, it it was, it was, um, it was broadcast, it was network TV. Um, So you could, I don't remember if it was CBS or NBC or ABC or which of them. But, of course, I mean, now, of course, you have to find episodes where you can. And I, I'm actually, I think they're on Netflix. But, yeah, I'm sorry, what was the question? Does it hold up over time? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it does. It does because it, I mean, I it's hope you're more, like, attentive on your podcast than you are like, right now. <laughs> <Sorry>. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does hold up because it, I mean, it's interesting because one and the same time, it's a total time capsule from the 80s. Um, you can totally tell it was done in the 80s. But it also, the story it tells each episode is really fresh. And there, and nothing before it in, in kids' programs had happened and nothing like it since. So it's very much its own creature. And I really respect it. For so that. it sounds like he had quite an impact on your childhood. Um, yeah. So like, how, what, how did he influence you when you were kind of growing up with Pee Wee Herman? Did you he kind of like, do you still see anything in you from him? Well, yeah. I mean, a sort of sense of humor, I would say, is would, would be my first you know, response to that. I mean, I also think in a weird way, I mean, of course, when I was in the, you know, fifth grade or whatever, however old I was when those shows were on, I wasn't thinking about being gay. You know, I, I didn't really have that consciousness at that time. But... There is something so outrageous about his behavior <laughs> on each episode <laughs> that I guess it did give me a little bit of confidence to think that, like, here's this totally weird dude um, who's made a total name for himself, and people respect him for this, you know? People pay him a lot of money to be like this. And, of course, I, I don't go around, like, dressed up like Amy Herman, but it, it gave me some sort of early confidence that the world is more interesting than the world that was set out for me. I think you should actually produce this um, podcast. I think um, for you to still have this much love for him after his show has been gone, there might be other people out there with the same kind of sentiment. Like they, they want to hear or they just want to enjoy a show about him. You know, you should 
look into it. I mean, yeah. even if it's like yeah. five minute episodes here and there, like check it out. How did yeah. how did Pee Wee influence your life, Anthony? <laughs> I was a little young. My brother watched it. I was a little young for that, but I do remember a lot of it. And he had, didn't he have like a few movies or something? Yeah, right. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, is was his first. One, yeah. So. Yeah. So when I see him, um, I I have very like vague memories of it, but I can kind of the kind of emotion I get from it is like when I see, would see myself in these home videos, I'm like, ooh, you would see uh, how gay I was in the videos uh, and I was a little bit embarrassed for myself. That's almost the same vibe I got with Pee Wee Herman, but it was like less like embarrassed and more like, wow, you're doing your own thing out there. It's a little weird. Not something mm-hmm. I was ready to like show myself as, right. but respected him, be it subconsciously on what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So, And I don't know much about him. Yeah. And he was gay, right? I think... From all that I know, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice to see more about these like kind of gay icons that we have mm-hmm. in our world that we don't know much about. Like, I wouldn't mind listening to it. It'd be pretty cool. Right. Yeah. You know, Barry Manilow, who everybody has like. I just found out he was known. gay this year. I know. He just came out this year officially, but people have known forever. And so he just came out this year like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> We've known. Yeah. Come on, no, yeah, we'll accept you. <laughs> I heard, I heard that on a podcast. I was like, Barry Manilow. I couldn't think of his face. I had to Google. It. I was like, Oh my god, he's gay. And I like when a lot of artists start to come out as gay because it just seems like it's more welcoming for me to do my own thing. Not yeah. that I'm scared to do my own thing, but it just feels like when you have this group amongst you that are part of the world that you are, that you just feel a bit more empowered. Yeah. Um, because that's how I felt when I did um, Foto Hoto for like. When I went to San Francisco, I was part of the um, the show for the photographer over there, um, Fabian. I forget his last name because I'm a little intoxicated right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- so there was something about being on the dance floor with all these like hotos that were part of the show that just made me feel like I could conquer the world. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice when I see kind of those people come out with be it in sports, be it yeah. as like podcasters, hosts, and it's like actors. I love seeing these people and knowing more about them because yeah. it just makes me feel like I can do anything, you know? I yeah. know about you guys. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Empowering. So yeah. who's your figure? My Anthony, figure? Your... Lady Gaga. Uh, well, no. <laughs> I, no. Your, my Pee Wee Herman would be Selena. <gasps> oh, would, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if we're, if we're speaking as a gay yeah. person, like a gay person, like if there's someone like, okay, so that's your like, you're like straight kind of my, person. Like that's my childhood. Like yeah, like your person. Mm. I feel the same way. I feel like she, she yeah, she made, yeah. Are you same. from South Texas? Yeah, I'm from McAllen, Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I saw her live actually um, a few months before she died. <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay, so I just I did not know this, Clay, that he just saw her live and I hate him a lot. I've bit. told you this uh, before. I, you probably told me when I was drunk. Oh, like, yeah. that makes me want to cry right now. Yeah, it mm. was a few months before she died. How was it? Was it everything and everything? I was really young. I was maybe like six. But okay. I remember my dad had me on his shoulders. I think mm-hmm. we've had. Watching. Wow. I th- yeah. Well, actually, it really it's coming back, back to me. Back. I think we've had at this conversation. Yeah. I was totally drunk whenever you told me. <laughs> but like, Because you told me about idol, how you would die know. about, you were like, you would dance. Yeah, yeah. To Selena's songs. And your mom was like, she knew you were gay. Yeah. She would like, let me do it. And like, she would like wait for my dad for leave. And then she'd put like my Selena videos on. Oh, yeah. And like, let me just be myself whenever my dad was gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I have like a gay icon though. Like. Oh, I am This is like totally going to date me. And I've been talking a lot, so I'll just say this very Well, this is about you right now. So (laughs) it's okay. We're fascinated. But it is relevant now because the Wonder Woman movie is out. And so Wonder Woman was a series, as as you probably know, with Linda Carter in Mm -hmm. the 70s, I guess. 
And I used to put on my um, Spider-Man underoos <laughs> and watch. I was like so excited for each new episode of Wonder Woman. And I, and I think I thought that I was like helping her uh-huh. her cause with, by wearing <laughs> the, the Spider-Man So underoos. you say you're not superstitious, but I'm I'm like, your words are telling me otherwise. It's like their stories are making me believe you are very superstitious. Yeah, yeah. I know. Follow my actions, not what I So say. what did you help her achieve? Like, um, I just like me. I just helped her do a much better job. Okay. She would have otherwise. She needed some help. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Can I tell you mine? I couldn't tell you like, okay, it's not really a figure per se, uh, I probably have one, but right now it, I would have to think about it. But it is, as a child, one thing that sticks out in my in my life is on MTV, they would have those two gay duel superheroes. Oh. And they would have the huge, like, bulges, and they would have a lot of these sexual homosexual undertones. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I initially saw it, or maybe I, I did, and I just don't remember. But for me, that impacted me a lot. Um, I mean... Well, seeing a gay kind of like these like a, an actual relationship be it cartoon it didn't matter mm-hmm. seeing that relationship on screen like to me it just it just touched me so much yeah and when i saw that and it was it i didn't see very i saw it like twice because they didn't show it all the time and but i don't know it just played a big part of my life like i can remember it always and forever you're talking about the ambiguous the gay duo right yeah no. i think it was mad tv wasn't it was it mad tv no, I think it was Saturday Night Live. Was it Saturday Night Live? Oh, I said, oh okay. I, it feels I said much MTV. more like a Mad MTV, TV. Yeah, it's like a little bit out, more outrageous usually than Saturday yeah. Night Live. It was very does. phallic. I remember. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of. That was like the first yeah. time I actually <laughs> saw like two guys being very sexual. Mm-hmm. Or there was like these kind of like undertones about it, and yeah. I loved it because yeah. you didn't see that a lot on TV. Right. Even if you saw it Ever. like further after that, it was it might have been like Will and Grace, but even then, it was like still kind of very conservative. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Couched in humor. Yeah. So that was kind of mine. I don't know if I had an actual person that helped me identify myself or make me feel confident. But Selena, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. I got to pee really bad. So I think we should end this. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really loved it. I I feel like you should come back again whenever Anthony's hosting because then it'd be like (laughs) a a little bit different kind of vibe because I I feel like I was a little bit strict. I was like, there Uh, wasn't really much leeway for us to kind of like have this kind of moment where it felt mm-hmm. like very natural. Yeah. Well, it even took me like four, like the first three episodes, you'll you'll hear me fumbling, but I didn't catch my stride until like episode four or five. Okay. Yeah. And That's also all. you kind of sprung this on me, bitch. I was like, fuck, I don't have uh, that much time to prepare for this, you know? Oh, well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I've been so busy, which is good. I'm glad I'm finally working you again. And, yeah. So I was like, here I go. So uh, like, yeah. yeah, so like from an outside kind of perspective, how do you guys think I did? That I did okay? Awesome. Yeah. You'd it's like, fabulous. I wish the audience could see these notes you took. They're I'm going nice. to take a picture and post them on the <laughs> yeah. Instagram fucking show. Like for real. No, yeah. no, 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 I won't. But yeah, like I, whenever I do stir, I feel like um, stir on the road, which is the other kind of show that I do where it's, I interview artists hmm. and I kind of will actually love to talk to you about it or you to be on it. Cause yeah. you just seem like really cool. Well, I know you, you don't like, you're not creating like, paintings or music mm-hmm. but you sh- you're a gay kind of figure in austin and you do like great work so i mean if you'd want to we can like chat more about it or this yeah. could be it you know no, i'd be happy to yeah anthony do you have yeah. anything to ask clay do you want to like get to know him more no just <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast oh it's i was like happy our, to be here our small little thing that i'm not sure if anyone listens but it's just fun it's a creative outlet and yeah. it just we do this anyways, so why not record it? You know, yeah. 
Yeah. I do it to hone my skills because one day you guys don't know it yet, but I'm going to be the next Oprah, but like the Latina version. Mm, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of my, my practice and mm. I'm getting ready to like take over the world. Yep. And oh. I'm going to give you a car and you get a car <laughs> and then they get a car and like you get a car. Like, yeah, for reals. Nice. All right. Well, this is the end of our show. This is probably the actual end of the second part of the show because I'm yeah. going to like take this part out and do it separately. Mm. Uh, but like what Anthony said, Clay, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, hope you come back again. Maybe like yeah. in the finale, if you have time, yeah. we can talk about the finale. I'd love to. And yeah. to see if your pick actually wins or my pick actually wins or if Anthony's pick wins. Yeah. Because I'm going, I'm going to just go for it and say Trinity. Clay's mm. saying Shay. Mm-hmm. Anthony, who's your top? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, no, don't think about like okay. anything. Think about who you want to win. I think they're going to go with... No, 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 no. <laughs> oh. Who do... Okay, you can get... We'll say who they think's going to win, but say right now Just who you want to win. Shay. There you go. Yeah. Two Shay, one Trinity. What do, who thinks they're going to win? Trinity. It's a Shay Trinity sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Maybe it'll be a double, double crowning. Ooh, girl, don't get crazy. <laughs> don't get crazy. All right, well, y'all guys have a good one, and thanks for going, Jay. Or Thank you. Clay. Yeah. It's the vodka. Yeah. <laughs> it's the vodka. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. bye.